They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty. This is season two, episode number 11. I'm your host, well, one of them, Duncan McLeish. And joining me, as always, on this journey into mediocre, banal and at times often head-scratching cinema is, of course, the phenomenal Mark Ball. How you doing, Mark? Good morning, Duncan. I'm doing really well. I watched both of these movies yesterday, so they're really fresh in my mind. It was a Really weird double feature. Uh, I fell asleep through ha- uh, about halfway through one of these movies and slept for about three hours. So uh, <laughs> one of them took me. I felt like I was watching Just Franco all fucking day. All right, <laughs> let, let, let me just let me just put it out there. Franco face twenty twenty. Is that what you're saying? F- fell asleep in the middle of demon the demons and uh, it felt like it was about eight hours long even though it's a it's still a slightly over long movie at two hours but yeah. yeah with that nap in the middle holy fuck i felt Ooh. like i was watching franco all day yesterday yeah there's a weirdness about watching these two movies together and that one of them jamie lee curtis has at least two scenes where she's wearing a bra and all i want is the power to remove that bra and then the, Fra- <laughs> and the franco movie all I want at times is some bras on some women. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like so much tits, man. Honestly, I forgot. Like, you know, like, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. But like, I, I forgot how fucking porny that, uh, that, that, that cut is. Well, plus that's the first time I've seen the, I want to say that's the full cut. We'll get to it, but the the original cut that was banned in the UK was seventy five minutes long, and that certainly. Oh, are you fucking serious? No. So there's like entire sex scenes that are in the in the uncut version. Yeah, there's about half an hour worth of porn in this movie, so I imagine they just took, they took the whole lot out, but still banned it in the UK, which is fucking nuts. Uh, but we'll, like I say, we will get to that now, Mark. Before we we jump into discussing our two movies, which are Prom Night and Jess Franco's The Demons from 1973. I need to catch up with you, buddy. Things are a-changing. The U.S. has a slightly different landscape at the moment. Uh, But what's more important is that, uh, like they like to say in Game of Thrones, winter has officially arrived, because you're already posting about snow, or have been for over a month. Uh, is Is it cold where you are? It's like, uh, yeah, it's been cold and windy. We haven't seen any snow since, like, uh, well, it snowed, like, twice. Like, once at the end of September when it killed my fucking garden. And then <laughs> once, uh, I forget, sometime in October a little bit. But, yeah, it's it's been, I don't know, it's been kind of fall. It hasn't been, like, super freezing cold, but the wind's been blowing crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is usually, uh, this is post-Halloween, so 
I usually get a little burnt out on horror movies, like by about Halloween night. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I watched that was really like horror related is I finally got around to "May the Devil Take You." Oh, right. How was that? Was, that's fucking fantastic. That's so goddamn good. Now I need to go watch the sequel. I am loving the Mo Brothers uh, back and forth with crazy horror movies and crazy action movies. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm hoping the Queen of Black Magic comes to shutter here pretty soon because that's one that, like definitely everybody needs to see. It's fucking insane. Nice. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, November is usually the month where I go back and I rewatch like all the Star Wars movies and all the Lord of the Rings movies, yeah. and maybe I'll throw in like Indiana Jones or something in there. This is kind of like my comfort food time of the year before I'm ready to watch like actual like Christmassy related type shit in December yep. uh, I finally got that fucking dial code Santa Claus Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome <laughs> a movie I've waited fucking years to own oh man oh, I've never seen like you were because uh, we have a, a chat with the, the guys who were all involved with the now defunct Midnight Horror Show um, right and it's still because it's still a kicking. It's a, it's a, to be honest, the transcripts of that chat should never be published anywhere. Like, like, <laughs> no, like, everyone should disavow. There's a reason that like at least three or four people in that group chat have different names uh, yep. than their real life names because uh, you know there are secrets that you know kind of divulge there that no man should ever read. But uh, yeah, we we do get a bit geeky about movies just in general um, about what we have bought what we're looking forward to what's been released and all that sort of stuff and uh, yeah you were like you were like a kid on Christmas morn uh, when that was announced that you could finally get your hands on it is it like I might be ignorant here I know very little about this title why is it you are so excited to own it because uh, it's a super it's a super bizarre little movie it's essentially if Home Alone had a slasher killer like Santa Claus in it, and the, so, the star is this kid that's like a fucking computer genius, and he's got a sweet mullet, and he's obsessed with action movies, and he's built all these fucking booby traps in this giant Tim Burton-esque mansion that he lives in. It's it's surreal and just one of the weirdest goddamn movies like you've ever seen. And it's also a Christmas movie, so... Uh, I saw this at Fantastic Fest at the, the premiere of the restoration that somebody did, I assume Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, that was like two two or three years ago now, and the only way you could get this for a little while was a fucking German Blu-ray that was like $80 <sighs> uh, to get like shipped to me. Goddamn like, Germans. Everything... Well, it's like it's like a French German co-production, so I think the rights this was like kind of bouncing back and forth for a little while. This was also like mega buried because it came out the year before Home Alone, I think. Oh, right. Sort of similar movies, and so it kind of got buried for a long time. And a lot of people like I don't think I'd even heard of this for uh, quite a while. But yeah, you can get it on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome now for like if. It- uh, well, they just had that sale over the weekend, so you can get it for like thirty bucks. I think yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. I I I, um, I I don't own much from Vinegar Syndrome because a lot of what they kind of post up there is the really. But I mean, God bless them. They go all over the shop. They go right into kind of obscure mainstream, uh, but they also go obscure, obscure, and um, 
So I've a few titles from them, but I was over the moon to get a pre-order in on that uh, Forgotten Giallo box set too. Um, because they put, even though I've still to watch any of the movies from Box Set One, because that's how I live my life, Mark. I buy things, then watch them sit on shelves. Like uh, we all do. Yeah, we all do. It's, it's the collector's mentality. Uh, yep. But yeah, like the, the fact that it's the second one just does my heart proud because realistically, what they are doing with those box sets are acquiring the ones that are really niche and really difficult to find. And that, to me, is the exciting bit. There, there's only so many copies of Bird with the Crystal Plumage I can physically own. I think I have three. Um, which, I, I mean, it's an amazing movie and all the rest, but really the, the only difference is maybe one special feature here or there or maybe the quality of the restoration. That is right. a, that is about it. So it's such a dense subgenre anyway, and I had only a finite amount of time to have like about 200 movies released in like four years or whatever, like like slashers and a lot of, a lot of regards, but a lot of them have just never found their way into any way, shape or form into some sort of medium that you can actually sit and watch. So the fact that they're, they've taken it upon themselves to do that, I'm over the moon with that. You know, that, that makes me a very happy guy. So I, I snipped in there for a quick pre-order on box set number two and um, it helped that it was their sale over the weekend and uh, I got a bit cheaper so I got about $20 off it I think which is not bad at all right so yeah I was looking at those so they, they look like cool packages I, I'm sure I hadn't heard of any of the movies that are in those so obviously they're, they're forgotten jollos like probably a lot of people have, may have not heard of yeah uh, but yeah Vinegar Syndrome is great for just like blind buying stuff especially when they have these <laughs> big sales and you can get stuff for like 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever like I, I love just buying stuff that just has a great cover and then it takes me forever to get around to actually <laughs> watching it and sometimes they're awful pieces of shit and sometimes it's stuff like mausoleum and it's like a life-changing experience yeah sometimes there are movies on that sometimes there are movies that will be forced upon you through doing this show Uh uh-huh yeah i picked up uh spookies a little while ago oh nice that's on the list somewhere yeah 88 films uh put that out over here so i'm looking forward to yeah i've had that for ages and i'm finally going to be able to take the shrink wrap off for this episode. Now, what's interesting about this one is coming into this episode, I had seen both these movies before, very well versed in uh, both of them, except, as you'll find out when we discuss our first movie, um, I remembered it being a bit more exciting than it actually was. Uh, Mark, before we delve into this, uh, refresh my memory, Prom Night, you had seen The Demons You Hadn't. Right, and Prom Night had been a really... I think I the last time I'd seen this was on cable when I was, Shit. like, probably 13. <laughs> oh, so this was, a, this was a pretty fresh watch. I remember parts of the end and, like, some, yeah. of the, some of the dance scenes, but that was about it. Some of the many dance scenes, you mean? Oh, Jesus Christ, this movie's, <laughs> like, half, half disco music video. <laughs> it's like someone saw uh, Saturday Night Fever and was just like, you know what? that's the movie I want to make. What do you mean I have to make a horror movie? I don't want to... Right, I'll compromise my dancing ideals and do this. What do you mean I can't license the Bee Gees? Um, it's, it's all in there. Right, we are going to do two movies for you, ladies and gents. Uh, they couldn't be any more different if they tried. We're going to start with Prom Night uh, from 1980. Uh, this one is a slasher movie starring Jamie Lee Curtis. And this, this is, I want to say, one of the many reasons that she very quickly disavowed any interest or knowledge with the horror genre for years. Um, not because of the quote of this movie, but I just think once you make that movie, once you make Halloween, 
and then you do the fog and you're in prom night and you're in road games I think like she very cleverly was like I'm being typecast like a motherfucker here she's I need- terror trained too isn't she oh yes yes she's like I need to get the fuck out um, yeah. and then she does and well played to that lady but we're going to talk about it after we take a very short break in which you're going to hear people from that video nasties documentary that I own that I still can't rip into Great quality, which is filmed on my phone. Yes, occasionally you can hear a train in the background. Isn't that awesome? That's how we <laughs> lo-fi things over at Doing the Nasty. Uh, you're going to hear them talk. You're then going to hear the trailer when we return. It's Prom Night from 1980, coming right up right after this. Prom Night, made in Canada where life was cheap, or where slasher movies were very cheap in the, the early 80s. There was a sort of... A, a kind of you know that bit after the Titanic has hit the iceberg and before the sinking starts that quiet phase and after Halloween and Friday the 13th to come out it took a while for the industry to react and start making dozens of imitations but in Canada they really got it as early as Halloween because Jamie Lee Curtis got signed up to make Terror Train and Prom Night with Leslie Nielsen, who wasn't yet a comedy star. Directed by Paul Lynch, who'd made a couple of interesting minor Canadian semi-art films nobody had seen, and then went on to make more stuff like Prom Night. Humongous is one of his, and then I think he directed a lot of Star Trek. But Prom Night's one of those movies that I feel a certain affection for, because I saw it in the cinema, it's not very good. It's it's in that subset of slasher movies, which are also whodunits, except you can spot who the killer is really early on. Um, it has a bunch of teenagers who are really obnoxious and deserve to die, and then duly do. Jamie Lee Curtis is rather oddly used in it. She's the heroine, but because of the way the mystery works, the killer is never actually after her. In some ways, the killer's trying to protect her, so it doesn't go the, the route that Terror Train or Halloween does of, of having her in peril at the end. So she's the star of this film, but oddly removed from the plot. Um, it then became kind of a, a Canadian franchise. There are three other Prom Night movies, all different. Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou, is a sort of Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff with a, an evil dead cheerleader from the 1950s. And she's back in Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, but it's a, a killer monk in Prom Night 4, Deliver Us From Evil. And then there's a movie called The Club, which is a Canadian film from the makers of Prom Night that takes place on a Prom Night. Now, I would suspect that was developed as Prom Night 5, and then they looked at it and thought, you know, four Prom Nights is enough, uh, so this is an unrelated Prom Night type film. Uh, and then there was a remake of Prom Night, which is the most forgettable of all the remakes of classic horror from the 80s. Um, if anybody has any particular memory or uh, affection for the remake of Prom Night, yeah, <laughs> answers on a postcard. Um, I, I, if it's somebody's favourite film, who knows? I'm not sure why Prom Night lasted so long. There may have been a feeling in Britain that the whole idea of prom night was kind of exotic and strange because British schools didn't have them then, they do now. And I suspect that Carrie had imprinted the ritual of prom night on a lot of British kids who grew up seeing it. I mean, because it seemed from a British perspective to be this strange alien world where where kids could hire limousines and, and tuxedos and all this sort of stuff. That seemed a lot different from the school discos, I remember. Um, uh, not least which is nobody, you know, dropped vats of pig's blood or had telekinetic freakouts. So 
that's how Prom Night became a good title for a horror film. Before Carrie, if they'd made a film called Prom Night, you'd have to assume it was a teen comedy. Uh, I suppose that's all there is to say about it. I, I don't remember the suspense or the death scenes being particularly explicit or impressive, but it's actually a reasonably well-made film, which a lot of these movies weren't. It moves along at a fair old clip. I would happily watch it again after all these years because I have a certain flicker of nostalgia for it, for movies like it. I also remember it was Cine Fantastique, the reviewer, said something about it which stuck in my mind ever since um, and keeps coming back every time I hear um, some old-time critic dissing the kind of films kids like. Uh, and it was a, a, a critic who... Uh, I assume must have been like 10, 15 years older than, than me, was saying that he recognised that Prom Night served its audience the way that films like I Was a Teenage Werewolf had served him when he was a kid. He says, yeah, these are films that are addressing the concerns of the teenagers who like films like this, and for that reason will stick in their minds, will become part of their culture, and... You know, they're just kooky and kind of fun, and there's nothing actually wrong with that. Um, I'm not sure what it says about a generation that embraced Saw or Hostel in the same way. However, I recognise that, you know, those are their films, um, and that we should listen to them when they talk about what they like about them. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom night. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. It's a day of rehearsals, arrangements, final preparations, and last-minute phone calls. for games but someone still wants to play Ladies and gents, you've just heard the trailer for A Prom Night from 1980. This is directed by Paul Lynch, based on the screenplay by William Gray and the story by Robert Guza Jr. Uh, this movie stars Leslie Nielsen. I know what you're thinking. I love it. Well, <coughs> sorry. I, I can't, honestly, I can't, I can't take him serious. 
Nah, it's, he has like one or two or three movies he ever did where he's not doing it for laughs, and it's yeah. really, really hard not to. Creepshow's maybe the only one, I think, where I actually, like, see when he's losing it at the end, but even then he does a goofy laugh, you know, where he's like, I can hold my breath for a long time! Yeah, he's still ah! chewing the scenery left and right, which yeah. he tends to do. <laughs> uh, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Keith Stevens, Anna-Marie Martin, Antoinette Bauer, Michael Tuff, uh, who's tough, uh, Robert E. Silverman, Pitt Oliver... Uh, Jeff Wincott, uh, Mary Beth Rubens, oh, just loads of folk. Uh, a bunch synopsis, of Canadians. A lot of them. dirty Canadian bastards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the synopsis for this one is At a high school senior prom, a mass killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. So it's, I know what you did six years ago. Um, so right well, let's get into this one so I hadn't seen this in well, a probably comparable amount of time to when you last saw it and I think the last time I thought I watched Prom Night I'm almost now 100% sure I saw the sequel well one of the sequels um, because watching this back through this time this movie is boring uh, boring with one of the most inept killers in the history of cinema like <laughs> he's a like, bumbling fucking idiot. Like there's no way Wes Craven, you know, when approaching the Ghostface Killer and Scream isn't thinking prom night when he does it. I mean, all shrouded and hooded in black, getting kicked, volleyed, smacked it. Like there's no. It just. It just. Str- and the thing about it is, I misremembered the ending. So, like when the reveal came, I was like, oh, that's even worse than what I thought <laughs> like because like even up to the point where you see the eyes and you're like alright so well, we're gonna the movie's been it for fucking decades now it, like to me it's the mother that's how I remembered it I thought they'd done the old Mrs. Voorhees so all the way through it it's the mother it's the mother it's the mother and even when they look at the eyes I'm like it's the, mo- it's the mother it explains why the killer walks like a 70 year old woman um, <laughs> and then and then it's the reveal and it's the brother and I was like oh but the brother's wearing makeup and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of wearing the fucking mask. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not explained, and it, I, I, I mean, I'm quite glad that they didn't explain it because I think any explanation would make the movie stupider. So I'm kind of, kind of glad the fact they were like, ah, if I, if I can in for a penny and for a pound. Um, I mean, I'll, there's a couple of things I really like about it, but the majority of it is a big old snooze fest. I love the setup at the beginning. I think there's something creepy about the setting and just this idea that... This is why kids aren't allowed to do fucking anything nowadays, Mark, except be stuck in the house. You let parents complain, in my day you were out playing. No, in your day you were out playing in an abandoned schools and being chucked into fucking pain glass. <laughs> psychotic little bastards. Um, but it has, it has like the, you know, the convoluted setup, and then... We're going to fast forward a little bit and the timelines don't make sense at all actually between how young these kids are to how old they now are, if you know what I mean. It, it, like, it just doesn't make sense. But skipping past that six years thing, it's like a ton of these movies from this time period. I think movies like Graduation Day, which you know we've talked about, um, or even Final Exam to an extent, which I think is on this list but we haven't got to it yet, which is an infinitely boring movie. But... What you have here is basically we're at school, we're moving up to an, a big event. This could be Halloween, it could be fucking Friday the 13th, it could be any any day we want. In the case of this one, it's prom night. And yeah, our 
the, the four kids that were involved with this are have all been phoned individually by someone doing a kind of, let's say, malicious female sounding voice, once again, to make Duncan misremember the end. And then the killer's going to track them down and murder them. But the killer takes fucking ages to finally show up in this movie and try and kill a, anyone. An hour. The first kill is almost at exactly an hour into a fucking 90 minute movie. Dear God almighty. Like, and it's not even like we're getting the creepy POV stuff. It's not, there's no pay up. Like, creepy POV stuff's great if you're paying it off five minutes later. You know what I mean? I, I can I can go through the oh, we're being stopped, we're being stopped, right? This is where you think they're going to die and no, they're going to die here. That's a great setup and it's used in a ton of slasher movies. In this movie, it's like, oh, he's being followed, he's being followed, he's being stalked, he's being stalked, that the kill must be coming here. No, well, it must happen now. No, it must happen now. Still checking my walk 20 minutes later. No, no. And it just keeps doing it. It is, it is the... It is the fucking... The edging of the penis of like fucking slasher movies and that it constantly it constantly like rubs you just the right way mark that you think you're gonna get something out of it and it's like nope it's gonna leave you um, and it does that all the way through and then when the kills do come they're at the expense like I mentioned of a really kind of bumbling fucking killer here who for, for the most part is owned almost all the way through this um, in a way where it weirdly grims it because I I mean, they're moving away from that this is a supernatural killer. It's not a supernatural killer. Um, so I, I like that they kind of ground it, but at the same time, that there is no, there's weirdly no danger or threat at all for me watching the movie because of how bad the killer is. But some of the deaths are fucking brilliant. We get a great neck slice here. We get a decapitation scene, which I fucking love. Uh, yeah. right, right before the king and queen are, are announced, that head just tumbling out of the stage does my heart proud. So we get a bit of that. But inexplicably, an hour for a kill and easily 20 minutes of this is the prom. And it's just people dancing on a, a dance floor. And I don't understand why. Jamie Lee Curtis is, is great in it, but the rest of the cast are kind of shaky. But even Jamie Lee Curtis being great in it, she hasn't given that much to do. Uh, apart from, right, well, you're a young woman. Let's get some let's get some tits in a bra. And let's, let's have you, like... like Look out a window. Let's look out a door. You know, it's it just a lot of that. And as a result, when I came to the end of it, I kind of felt to myself, what is it about specifically prom night that caused any censor in the UK to get like this over the hundred other slashers that came out between '78 and like '82? Why prom night? I can understand Friday the Thirteenth. I can't understand prom night at all. There's no real gratuitous sex in here at all. There's next to no nudity. Um, the violence, whilst it comes towards the end, isn't graphic enough and the effects great enough that merits its special dispensation from, you know, from any sort of like censor who's sitting down trying to create. I just could not get my head round what was it, unless it's banned for boredom. And then, yeah, it should be top of the fucking list. I just couldn't get my head around it. Like, like you came back to this. You were 13 when you watched this. Were your 13-year-old memories of this movie being a bit more... I imagine, like, if I was a young teenager and watching Prom Night back in the, like, early 90s, for example, I imagine this movie probably would have scored quite highly with me because, like I say, it's, like, a lot of young girls who are attractive and we get a bit of death towards the end. But out with that, I... I 
I really, really struggled to remember much about anything. So did this play well for you the first time and as a result played worse for you now, or did it never play well for you? I'm, when I was a kid, I, like I said, I mostly remembered the end and like the disco scene and like not really understanding what the fuck disco even is or like not having You're a, a lot bit of younger con- than me. You are like yeah. we have to stress. Mark is a bit younger than me. I, yeah. I I'm too young for disco. I just miss disco. Um, and you're even younger than me. So disco was like they teach that in the history books now, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So this was kind of confusing as like a kid in the '90s sitting and watching this. But I, I did remember like some of the violence like towards the end being. A little gnarly, like the head scene was like yeah. pretty, like it's, that's pretty gnarly for like a twelve-year-old, I think. But um, yeah, coming back to this, uh, all these years later, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. The first hour of this thing is a fucking snooze fest, um, and it's weird, like with this, like where this came out exactly. It makes it kind of hard to say that this is really derivative of a lot of other things. Oh like, yeah, it's uh, nineteen. It's nineteen eighty. It did come out in nineteen eighty one, but production wrapped in nineteen eighty. So, so it's like right after Halloween, right mm-hmm. at the same time <clears throat> as like Friday the Thirteenth. Yep. I think when a stranger calls is like kind of around the same time. And Black a stranger call, yeah, is just just before I think. I think that's very very late seventies, very mm-hmm. early eighties. So yeah. There's a really long chunk of this movie at the at the beginning that's just the killer making lewd phone calls to all of our characters, which was very, very, um, like, they stole this right from fucking Black Christmas. Kind of oh, deal. yes. Oh, yeah, it's right the down to the box. voice. It's, like, it's the, the tick list. The it's, it's the tick list of techniques we can steal from, from other movies that have, like, uh, mass killers killing people, which, once again, I'm fine with if you're paying it off. Like, Black Christmas knows very, very quickly that you know, once they're all locked in that house and it's, it's snowing kind of heavy, right, we need to start picking off some bitches. And this movie, it's like, well, we know we need to get them, but not today. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, you know, it's like, it's very, I can't even say it's deliberate in its pace. I just don't think, I think as soon as you lock in that your killer is only interested in four people, right? you are, in effect, meaning that your movie has to start killing later. Otherwise, you know, people will be fully aware of what are happening earlier in the movie. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's, it's almost by accident creating a, a cross for its own back to where that it's never going to be able to shake. Had the, you know, in effect, set out to ruin the lives of those four people by picking off people random, you then open it up, you could have had a bit more a bit more death earlier on. But yeah, real realistically it's only the last kind of twenty five minutes to half an hour of this movie that we actually start to get a bit of the killing. And some of it's done really well. I mean I love the scene in the van where the killer just rips the door open and starts pulling them out. I think there's scenes like that where I think that's really effective. You know, it looks really, really cool. But then it's it's over too quick or you know our killer gets a a, a boot to the tits um, and then it's kind of like uh, ah, ah it's like the, the family guy knee thing ah, oh, well, the, you know, the van scene is funny like I, I think the music in that scene oh, massively undermines the, the tension that could have been had in that because it's just like this like it sounds like CCR basically it's, it's like 
generically it's like like fucking it's it's not the right music for that scene at all like you really needed something like kind of tense there because yeah they've actually kind of and this is like where this movie shows it's like canadianness like massively <laughs> is that the the kid with the giant fucking creepo van is like actually what's his name like slick or something oh yeah don't give a start and he's actually like yeah they set him up as like a total fucking creepo nerd and like he actually turns out to be one of the cooler characters in this Mm -hmm. movie and is like a total gentleman to the to the the chick that he ends up hooking up with and then yeah it, it culminates in that goofy fucking van scene where the chick gets killed immediately and the killer is like hanging off the side of the van. They're they're spinning cookies in this like abandoned field kind of deal. Yeah. And the kid drives the fucking van over the side of the cliff and it explodes. And they yeah. spend a little bit of money throwing a van off the side of a rock quarry, probably in Canada. And uh, yeah, the whole the whole van kid thing is. is I just know where I thought you were going. I thought you were like that. You know, this is where it shows its Canadianness. The guy Slick, because that his name Slick is actually a moose in disguise. Um, you know, <laughs> that's literally what I thought you were going like. Yeah, that maple leaf tattoo. Um, you know, he apparently was sorry for driving. I don't I don't know where we were going with it, but I'm glad that we I'm glad that we steered away from those horrible stereotypes. Yeah, like. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just quickly do the old IMDb here. How many movies Paul Lynch actually directed? Because there's a well, it turns out he did a lot. Of te- he did a lot of Deep Space Nine. Oh, I'm taking it all, all right. back now. I'm taking it all back now. This dude's fucking amazing. He did, he did, <laughs> I, I was about to level into him. Ah, he's, he did, a shitload of TV is where he ended up uh, ultimately, but. He, he looks like he's got a. He, the thing is, right here, here's a great example. This is the same guy that directed Humongous. That really? That, is fucking, that a, that's a list one movie, isn't it? Hey, no, 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 nope. No. Humongous, not banned. <laughs> like, oh, humongous, really? Yeah. This is what. Weird. Here's here's the weirdness of the list. Humongous to me is infinitely more terrifying than than um, the you know than Prom Night and has a, a bit more gore and all the rest. Not on the fucking list though. Weird. Not on that list. Uh, but yeah, he, he did that, and Humongous is a great fucking movie, so I just don't understand, like, what, what's going on here, out with the fact that it's, like you see, it's on the cusp of us getting into what, the, just before the, the massive throng of slasher movies, so we're on that, we're on, we're just at the beginning of that tidal wave, and we're putting it out, and as a result, we're still using kind of older technique we're still using the kind of slow burn technique of storytelling from the 70s but trying to marry it up with the kind of fast paced excitement of 80s slashers and the balance just isn't there at all and it's I, I, th- I think it's like it's ability to affect anything specifically I think that's why the sequel works so much better um, and that it, you know it throws itself completely into the, the goofy dark nastiness of the 80s that you're just not getting in this movie, um, and it's weird to say it because it's not badly shot. You know, it, it's but, like, the cinematography is actually beautiful, and yeah. there's parts of this movie that are lit incredibly well. Like a lot of the stuff with the kids, like towards the end, running through the hallways, where it's mm-hmm. all lit like 
neon red kind of shit, and it's, it definitely feels like kind of Bava inspired, like as far as the lighting and stuff goes. I was almost wondering if like Dean Cundy or somebody had shot this like early in his career, because this, this, this has, uh, has some shades of like the fog and some other stuff in it, but yeah, the lighting is kind of incredible, even during the stupid fucking disco music video, which takes up like a good hour and 50 minutes or so of this fucking yeah. it feels like uh, uh, it, it, it looks incredible like it's shot fucking beautifully which is kind of a shame because it's yeah just such a paint by numbers kind of fucking movie around it yeah it's it's I don't know it's one of those ones where so this is another one that got remade so I don't, did you ever see the remake? I did not. <laughs> you lucky cunt. Uh, right, I did. I did. Me and the, the wife went to see this one. Um, and this is one of the kind of... Uh, there's a, like, the kind of 2000s are a great, like, decade for, oh, let's just remake absolutely anything that we can get our hands on. Um, and the remake came out... The remake bears... Like... Mm, a, a bit of a resemblance but not much is infinitely dumber like infinitely dumber than this movie and this movie's <laughs> fucking dumb um, and yeah it's full of obnoxious characters uh, it's PG-13 in the states too isn't it yeah oh I because that's you know that's one of the reasons that it maybe just doesn't doesn't level up because I, I remember seeing it and seeing it with people that I like in the cinema we were sitting in uh, there was a lot of people that was like I don't know if they should be here to see this movie when it was finished I was like they maybe could have brought in younger people like it's really like <laughs> bring a baby that. it's okay it's, it's <laughs> it a just, prom night remake <laughs> it just wasn't very good it really really wasn't not one of the the, the, the worst kind of slasher remakes of the 2000s by any stretch of the imagination but it's I, I it has that thing of being instantly forgettable, um, and like doesn't. I mean, when you when you're remaking a movie which isn't at its baseline very good to begin with, um, you know, you need to be like really trying to go out your way to mix things up and change it, and it, it does a little bit, but not in any way which would make it an interesting movie. It's just like all oh, the deaths have to be more violent. Oh, we need to dispense with the ambiguity of who this killer actually might be. Um, and they don't do the whole kind of balaclava, you know, outfit, which is kind of good because the guys run around like a fucking rapist uh, as opposed to a slasher killer. You know, he looks like a, like a cat burglar. Um, the, like, the mask budget must have been low on this movie. Um, zero. The, yes. <laughs> somebody had a mask because they were into like some fucking cross country skiing or something. They just <laughs> threw it on there at the last minute. Like I don't know, we gotta do something. Oh man, yeah. I, like by the time it finished, I was just like, uh, I, I mean, uh, interesting. Our buddy Tony, who does his own video nasty thing, we mentioned it before. We are going to get him on sometime in the new year. Uh, he's pitched a couple of ideas to me of like just the most batshit bizarre movies uh, that he wants to come on and talk about and I'm more than happy to have him on with him uh, so he will come on at some point but um, he posted just before we started recording actually on the, the podcast under the stairs group page right can we all agree that the sequel's a better movie now and yeah because I for some reason at some point in time had swapped the first and the second movie over or conflated the two and remembered elements that are clearly not in this movie that doing a bit of research on the internet happened in the second movie so yeah I, I, you get no argument from me out there 
um, at all on that one. So yeah, I, I, I just it's it's these subpar slasher that to be to be fair to this movie, like you said, Mark, and we should be it's not derivative. It's on the front end of those movies, um, but it's it's. It kind of suffers for that because it's on the front end, so it's still taking itself a bit too serious, and it's still using some of those techniques from the seventies in terms of storytelling, which work much better with the kind of slow burn psychological analysis of characters than they do necessarily with slasher movies. Slasher movies, love them or loathe them, and these are benefited by pace. You know, they're, they're movies that are an hour and twenty five minutes generally, and in those hour and twenty five minutes, you will get. 10 plus deaths, um, a shitload of exposition, and, um, you know, like a bit of good gnarliness with a killer that's memorable. And this movie, you don't really get that. You get a, hand, a smattering of deaths in a, a movie which is about an hour and a half, which has a forgettable theme ch- tune, far too much fucking dancing, and a killer who, apparently, if you, like, if he stubs his toe when he's coming round the corner, that'll be him out of commission for 25 minutes. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, it's not... I'd be lying if I even said I enjoyed it. I, I found it mundane as fuck. Um, and as a result, when it finished, I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again now. I think that's just... Now that I've reacquainted myself with this, unless I was doing a slasher series anywhere down the line, or 88 Films acquired it in the UK, which I know they can't because 101 acquired it in the UK, um, you know, I'll probably never watch this one again. Do you have any final <laughs> any final thoughts, parting shots, any comments that you want to say about um, Prom Night before we switch to talk to our second movie? It was extremely forgettable. Like, mm. there's, there's really like about uh, again. It's gonna, it's gonna be like when I watched it t- when I was twelve. I'm gonna remember about twenty minutes of this thing and fucking totally space out the rest of it. Um, and it's not. I didn't hate it. Like, it's just not really. There's nothing in this really that stands out as like anything super incredible. Uh, like I said, the cinematography I think is really nice. I think they did a pretty okay job of casting the kids from the beginning as yep. older characters. Yep. And honestly, like the stuff with the phone call stuff where he's crossing their names off and like ripping out the yearbook pages with their names, I think helps the dum dums in the crowd like me remember who everybody is. And I'm like, oh, they kind of, they do kind of look like the kids that they were in the beginning yeah. scene. So I think they did an okay job with that. But yeah, other than that, this is extremely forgettable and just not one of the better like there's movies that did everything that's in this like way fucking better in other movies and if you want a big long dance scene you got graduation day because i'm pretty sure there's one of those in that that's too. what we say like i remember us morning that graduation day had like a seven minute dancing in the middle like and this one it's like 20 fucking minutes it goes on for dancing. we keep going back and i'm like why are we like i get it they're dancing it's a prom <laughs> Like, Disco is like, still a big deal at this point. It's like, it, but it's full on. It's whole songs, dance sequences we're getting here. Not we're jumping in, jumping out. The, the, the beauty of the graduation day dance scene is that whilst that song's happening, the band's playing that song, quote unquote, live. Uh, we are jumping between people dancing, but also a killer chasing down someone and murdering them. Which is how you use that scene. Like, that's how you do that. You don't like, let's see a whole song of kids dancing. Now let's find our other kids. 
Oh, you don't mean I think that. It's a case of uh, they, they they paid to license some music, and damn it, they're going to use it. We will use every second of it. God damn it! And you will sit Songs there. Were expensive, <laughs> even though it's not the Bee Gees. <laughs> he will enjoy it, Watcher. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we for anyone tuning in for the first time to doing the nasty, we have a unique grading scale over here, which um, puts the emphasis on the the crimes that this movie may be committing uh, by licensing kind of standards and by you know the censors of the time in the UK, with, with gradings being the most severe one is obviously hard time. Uh, then drops to community service. If you're, you kind of know what you've done. You've you've stood on some lawns and whipped your dick out. That's inappropriate. <laughs> uh, you, we, we have some. We have uh, like we have a slap on the wrist. So that's kind of like you. You know, you've you almost did something a bit kind of. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Um, and then case dismissed when there is nothing remotely in this movie that should have seen any way, shape, or form. Uh, a kind of banning sentence are videos to be scooped up out of shops and burned which this originally was um, this is a case dismissed like there is so little going in here even with the deaths the deaths are done really well but they're not gratuitous in any way shape or form to make me even wince when they happen I'm just like that's a cool effect um, and the movie doesn't do anything else out with that so I am you know this is a, a big old case dismissed from this guy what about yourself Mark? I'm almost tempted to give this, like, the slightest slap on the wrist, because, like, I was thinking about it, like, the most, I think the most violent thing that happens in this movie is the severed head that rolls out on stage, and <laughs> yeah. then I was remembering back to, uh, like, uh, I think it was a freshman in high school or something when we did uh, the, the school production of Macbeth, which has mm-hmm. a severed head in it, that cheesy-ass fucking like uh costume store severed head that we whipped up for Macbeth like all those years ago probably was on stage more than the severed head is in this fucking movie <laughs> so I mean unless you're like a member of the fucking Taliban and you really hate dancing or something I don't really understand what's what was so offensive about this one I, I, don't, I don't fucking I, I don't know I mean they kill a kid in the first like 10 minutes of this thing but other than that that's really that's about it. Like, I think this is a case dismissed. Nice, nice. Right, let's jump into our second movie. And boy, am I, am I so excited. To, like, visibly excited as well. My cock's not went down since I watched it. Um, like, <laughs> we're going to be talking about dirty, slutty nuns. And I'm like all the, all the happier for it. Uh, yeah, we've got The Demons by Clifford Brown. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Jess Franco. <laughs> is that what it says? Yeah, it's, oh, that's what he went. He's, he, he directed and penned this under the name Clifford Brown. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and I don't know why, because this is one of the most, like, Jess Franco movies to Jess Franco on the screen ever. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to get into it. You, are, of course, before we jump in talking about Naked Nuns, like, just... <laughs> That's not, that's not the name of the movie, by the way. It I mean, should have been called this Naked Nuns, and probably more people saw it. But <laughs> Naked Nuns on the Run, I would have watched the shit out of that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the Demons from 1973. Listen to learned people tell you why. If I, I've not heard the clip yet, but I imagine it's someone because like a lot of these guys are like 
film buffs. So I oh, imagine so, someone took the pipe to fucking talk about this movie on the yeah. documentary. <laughs> yeah, someone someone is either really really bored that they're having to talk about this movie again, <laughs> or I imagine are so happy that they get to use the word boobies. Um, one of the two. We'll see who it is. I imagine it's probably going to be Stephen Thrower because he's the one that you. Like, I love Stephen Thrower because whenever he talks about a movie, there's a wry smile. When he starts talking about the bits that usually most like your your Cisco and Ebert's would have been like, this is a crime against cinema. You usually like that, and then she gets naked. You know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're gonna hear them talk about. It. You're gonna hear the trailer. When we return, we're talking about the demons. All fucking two hours of it coming right up right after this. Here we have Jess Franco, the demons, made back in 1972. I guess it must have proven quite popular at the time for Go Video because as well as this release. They reissued it with a cover like that, a lot cleaner, a lot smarter, a slicker. I don't know, collectors seem to favour this one, but I don't know, I like that one really. Franco often used the names of his favourite jazz musicians as a pseudonym, and here he directs under the name Clifford Brown. Set in the 17th century, it's a bizarre hodgepodge which mixes the non-exploitation of Ken Russell's The Devils, which was popular at the time, but it mixes it with the witch hunting and torture of films like Witchfinder General and Mark of the Devil. It also adds some supernatural elements to the proceedings, as well as a Lord Justice Jeffreys character, who you might remember from Franco's earlier The Bloody Judge. It's based on the real character, but it's very vague. It's rather plot-heavy as well, to say the least. It follows the adventures of two sisters, Kathleen and Margaret, who are orphaned, and are played by Franco regulars Anne Libert and Britt Nichols. Franco regular Howard Vernon also pops up. The sisters are raised as nuns after their mother is burnt at the stake as a witch and who leaves the usual curse. Anyway, the cursed couple, the powerful Lady de Winter and Thomas Renfield decide to visit the convent with the idea of having them condemned as witches and brutally disposed of. The trouble is though, during the torturing confession, the kinky couple both fancy the idea of bedding the sexy young Kathleen. Meanwhile, her sister Margaret has been fornicating with the devil. As you guessed, Franco includes copious amounts of nudity, sex and torture, which no doubt helps sell the film to sleaze cinemas around the world. And then on to home video. It's a fun but very confusing film though to watch, and it's probably worth mentioning that the version that was released here in the UK by Go Video was shortened to just 80 minutes. It appeared on video in other countries with varying running times with the longest running over 100 minutes. In Germany, it was released with the title The Nuns of Clichy. I guess some people like it because it's a proper non-exploitation movie. I would guess it was section three because of the numerous scenes of torture. Um, there's quite a lot of them. Mind you saying that, you know, it's about as on the same level as Mark, probably not as brutal actually as Mark of the Devil. I would guess that was probably the main reason, and probably the cover. I mean, maybe they saw that cover first and thought, well, it looks a bit dodgy. plus vierge. Oh. 
quelques nuits de cela, il m'a semblé entendre des gémissements provenant d'une cellule. Je suis... So it's time to discuss the demons, aka les demons, uh, from 1973. It's a kind of co-French Spanish production here, very similar to the previous Franco movie we discussed. Like I said before the break, um, Clifford Brown, <laughs> oh, <fuck's sake. laughs> uh, aka Jess Franco, um, both wrote and directed this movie. It stars Annie Libert, uh, Carmen Yaz- Yazadal, uh, Doris Thomas, Cam Field. That sounds like a Klingon name. Kahinger <laughs> Gafari! <laughs> that's what it says. Like sure that's... A lot of G's and H's in there. Yeah, I'm sure that's the, 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 the thing that they have to do with Batlets to enter adulthood. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a very well-placed, very well Star Trek references on this show today. I've been watching a ton of fucking Star Trek shit. Have you? Like, not movies or like anything like that, but people... Like, I go down weird YouTube rabbit holes for things that I used to be really interested in but don't have the time to have an interest in it right now. So uh, like a lot of, a lot of um a lot of a uh, WWF, well now WWE, like people like talking like interviews with people from back in the day, like weirdly analyzing because that's a whole podcast scene that's rampant out there. Like st- videos like that online, but for some reason I've, I've recently stumbled down there's a guy who does great critiques of he poses a question and then backs up by looking at an entire character's arc throughout the entirety of a season of one of the Star Treks. And I've, like, I, I find it captivating and also realise that this is why insomnia is a bad thing. You know what I mean? Oh, like, Jesus. Like, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Because. It's at three in the morning. Yeah, look at this. At three in the morning, I'm deep diving as to whether or not the character Garak from Deep Space Nine could be classed as a quote unquote good Nazi. And I'm like, that. what the fuck am I doing with my life? But I finish it and got that. Weirdly, I feel more informed about life now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of folk in this movie. Let's move this on. Uh, the synopsis. Oh, I love this. A group of nuns become possessed by demons and are tortured in a dungeon of horrors during the Inquisition, which is accurate. Um, what it misses out in the description in there is there's a whole lot of fingering going on. Um, uh, right. Um, <laughs> where to begin? This movie is a, a fucking a cluster grenade of 
just so many movie ideas, narratively speaking, that don't pay off. You know, kind of interspersed amongst any opportunity to get women naked. And I'm not going to lie, Mark. I'm not going to lie. Part of me marvels at the ability of Jess Franco to just do shit like that. You know, like un- unabashedly just make a movie like this. And I mean, this is like. Before we get into the nonsense here, I'm going to say one thing up front about him. Whether you like or you loathe Jess Franco, specifically watching this cut, which is available on Amazon Prime, ladies and gents, let that fucking sink in. It's um, only being the UK because I had to go to some fucking stupid lengths to get yeah. a copy of uh, legit. I had to watch this on something called Mubi, which I'd never even heard of. Oh, like, Mubi, yeah, Mubi's a, is, is a what we call a high class Netflix. So. Okay, yeah, they had they had a lot of a lot of foreign stuff and a lot of like uh, it reminded me of like a like Criterion Channel Junior kind of. It's very much that's what it aims. Basically, picks up a lot of titles that Criterion don't put out. To to be fair, um, but yeah, like this is like whether you like or you loathe, like because this has a, a Blu-ray release in the UK and is available on Amazon Prime. Which once again, this is a movie that was at one point rounded up and burned. Now you can buy it on Blu-ray and it's uncut version, <laughs> or fucking watch it on Amazon Prime. Right? That that's that, that's how far we are removed from it. But whether you like or you loathe Jess Franco, and the man has made like we spoke about before, hundreds of fucking movies. I will give him this: he directs the ever-loving fuck out of this movie. This movie looks gorgeous. I mean, the the print, the restoration works amazing, and he clearly had the budget. Even I mean, he had a bit of a budget with that Frankenstein movie, but it clearly does here because there is proper costume and set design. You know, there's we have time to, to really breathe in the time period, which is a little bit inconsistent at times, but we have time to breathe all that in. And the acting across the board, surprisingly solid. Like, there, there wasn't a, like, a character that showed up and I was like, oh no, you cut corners there, Mr. Franco. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Clifford Brown. Um, you know what I mean? You, you, the acting across the board, surprisingly well done. But, I mean, it's a vehicle for smut. And, like, Franco is... There's some movies that are a bit more porn-heavy than this. Uh, there are some movies which try to do a little bit less titillation than in this movie. But this movie is just... It's him doing The Devils, right? Ken Russell's The Devils. It comes a couple of years after The Devils. Um, if he denies that, then he's a lying bastard. Because um, <laughs> it really, really is. But it's like also got like links to things like Mark of the Devil... So, which we've already discussed. Specifically, some of the torture things, like the, the, the pin stuff and the, the burning of the witches. So, we weirdly conflate the two movies. So, this is kind of part witch kind of hunt and part, like, Inquisition and part the devils. And it's all mixed in together and none of the aspects are particularly done surprisingly well from a narrative point of view, but there's a whole lot of... Well, I know something you don't know. You know something I don't know. Titties, titties, titties. Well, I know something you don't know. You don't know something I know. There's a whole lot of backstabbing betrayal in this movie. Um, but it is long. It is so fucking long. And that is coming from a guy who... I mean, I masturbated so much over this movie, Mark, that <laughs> by, by, by the end... Like there's every dust t- coming out. Yeah, it was like, see when you fire a, like a paintball gun and there's no capsule in it? 
she just go, boom! Like, that's literally, <laughs> that's literally all that was happening. Because um, there are, like, goddamn, like, you, you put, like, very attractive women in this movie, mostly unclothed, mostly touching themselves up, or, be, or being touched and caressed. A lot of kind of bum cheek caressing in this movie for some reason. Um, you put a lot of that in there by other really attractive women, and I'm a man, right? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a red. Are we I'm not a, men? I, I, I can only control my body so much before the, the, the kind of the animal baseline instinct takes over, and you know, say it's like you should be touching yourself right now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, body, I should be. Um, yeah, this is, it's just a, a weird kind of dirty, and at times, like even the. Like, like Franco, like a guy who has done plenty of sex scenes, who's married to a fucking porn star, um, somehow manages to at times in this make sex scenes feel really unsexy. <laughs> just yeah. like really kind of, oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> it's just the music's wrong, the lighting's not right. She shouldn't be wearing that. Um, but nuns, like you mentioned it before, and I, I, I was kind of half with you, but after watching this now, I'm 100% with you. Why are nuns so sexy, Mark? <laughs> like, it's it's weird, like, reverse, like, kind of Catholic guilt kind of stuff, I think. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's like forbidden fruit, almost. And, yeah, it's, Franco has no problem here, just, like, making everything dirty, basically. Everything's dirty. Yeah, like... The, the problem, like, I'm going to shorten it down here because I really genuinely want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, my overall view on the demons, and we'll, we'll have some talking points at the end, realistically is, it is a very well shot movie. Um, it, it pays a lot of attention to detail, which is quite surprising in that I've seen quite a few of Franco's cannibal movies where not a fuck was given to anything. Um, the acting's surprisingly good across the board. I loved how gnarly the torture sequence he's got. I thought he really, once again, channeled that Mark of the Devil sort of thing through, kind of Witchfinder General sort of stuff is in there. Um, and yeah, it has a lot of nakedness in it, and I, I imagine that's because that's what Jess Franco likes to direct, and... To be honest with you, I see no harm in it. It was fr- this is seventies French cinema. Seventies French cinema is a wash with vagina, like like it's like vagina as far as the eye can see, because that's just how things work. And you don't approach a man like Jess Franco with your French money, Mister French Man, who works for our French studio, and says, "Make us a copy of the the Devil's but sexier," and not end up with this movie. That's exactly how this feels. Um, and as a result, when it finished, I was just like, Phew, because it's... <laughs> you need a cold it's, shower and a sandwich. A, a cold shower, a sandwich, and a chance to decompress because for all there is a lot of sexiness, for all there is a lot of not sexiness, this movie should never be two hours long. And it's like, there's no justification for it. There's not enough plot twists in this movie at all to justify the length of it. It is... Is he's clearly just lost in the subject matter, and that's fine. Um, and I can see why it was probably chopped down to what seventy-five minutes in the UK upon its original release, mostly because British Britain would have had all that porn out. It. But at the same time, though, a movie like this is—it's an exploitation movie. Exploitation movies should not be longer than an hour and a half, like at all. There's no ju- like if you can't get your message out in an hour and a half, 
then you need to start looking at what you've done here and start making some clever editing decisions. And the thing is, there doesn't appear to be an editor working on this project, like a proper editor. It just feels like Jess Franco is giving carte blanche to do whatever he wants. And sometimes that results in greatness. Like, big swaths of this movie are really well put together and really well acted. And I, I found myself being drawn into the story. I like movies set around the time of the Inquisition. I think it's a fascinating time period. So I get completely drawn into that. And then I get taken out of it for a while, and then I come back, and I'm like, are we still doing this bit? And there's a lot of that, so it doesn't surprise me that when you were watching it and you fell asleep and woke up, and the movie was still on, you felt like the movie had been on forever. Um, <laughs> because in part, this movie feels like it goes on and on forever. So that's all I'm going to see for the moment. Um, you'd never seen it before, you took, what, two attempts, three attempts to watch this yesterday? Uh, so just two, basically, yeah, and... Um... Yeah, I think this is this, this is still only the second Just Franco movie I've watched. We, we talked about the other one, which was the Franken- Rights of Frankenstein, yeah. which I really didn't fucking like that much. It's <laughs> just a, a huge mixed bag of just surrealist nonsense, basically. Still for Frankenstein, no? It's it's that one felt like they were trying to do the fucking Warhol thing kind of yeah. and it's like drugged out surrealism with a little bit of kinky stuff in there and like a mm-hmm. little bit of horror. And the, the fucking weird bird woman. Um, so I, I really didn't know what to expect as far as this one goes. I was kind of oh. dreading watching this, to be honest, because I'm like, oh, God, it's two fucking hours long. And it's mm-hmm. going to just be more just Franco fucking nonsense. And I was actually, like, really kind of surprised, like, how much, like, there's, like, two ways you could go with this movie. You could cut all of the sex scenes out and this is probably like a lean 90 minute movie yeah which is still probably going to be kind of slow and kind of repetitive but i mean it's like it like you said it's it's shot really well there's great costumes there's a pretty big cast everybody's acting is you know pretty decent like Mm -hmm. i think honestly a lot fucking better than some of the acting in erotic rights of frankenstein oh yes i 100 agree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like the the other way you go is you edit out all the story bullshit and you just make this like a twenty minute fucking Pornhub video that's just naughty nurses fingering each other. And, you uh, are one hundred percent on my <laughs> wavelength right now, and I want that super cut. <laughs> and like I actually kind of I, I was thinking about this after I watched it yesterday, and this movie is actually trying to say something. I feel mm. like, and I can almost maybe for a minute entertain the idea that like Franco wasn't just doing this to get his rocks off basically and it wasn't just him like channeling his future porn director self uh I, I think this this especially like so when this came out I think this came out in the 72 so they probably shot mm-hmm. this like around 70 or 71 uh the the end of the hippie era and lots and lots of like uh uh, definitely, like in the states, I feel like we were like leaning back more towards being like a conservative kind of country now that the hippie movement had died, and like I feel like yeah. uh, the the witchcraft stuff. There's a lot of subtext as far as like uh, rejection of religion or rejection of uh, the quote unquote civilized world that uh, is super not civilized towards fucking women. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely at, at this point in history, but uh, there, there's this movie does have kind of a message behind it 
uh, you know, behind the fucking hours and hours of just nuns' asses up on the screen and fucking batted pubic hair, and it's oh, like oh man, there's a scene where like the the you know the kind of I don't even know how to call her the the woman that's sent by the king, you know, the the inquisitor or whatever shows up and she she, she does the old virgin test by having uh. two nuns bend over and pull their their dresses up. And like she then just says, "This one's a virgin," and I was like, "Huh, this is how bad the internet's warped my mind." Because the last time I saw a video like that, both those nuns got railed, like really, like, like <laughs> by plumbers for no reason at all. <laughs> like two, two like large dick plumbers came in and things got sexy. Um, you know, that's. I think it's just it's such a bizarre thing to put in a movie because it's it. It's kind of there for titillation, but from a titillation point of view, I don't think it's necessarily all that titillating. I mean, even Not if you were going down that standards. road, you know what I mean? I think well, even by they, their standards, I think if you hadn't seen a bum cheek before, then, like, it would be different if she was doing the old, uh, you know, the old bowling ball test, you know, like, try to, like, get a couple of fingers in. Then, you know, <laughs> I have so many horrible terms, Mark, and they're all coming out in this show. <laughs> You know, like she's going to feed the horse. You know, I mean, it'd be different if she did a bit of that action. Then that would make sense. But it's literally, it's literally like <laughs> I'm a bad man. Uh, she literally just like they, they just like hook their skirts up. Hook is a Scottish word, by the way. Um, she just hooks the skirts up. Camera kind of sits there, and she just looks and she says, "Yep, she's not a virgin." And that's the end of that scene. And I'm kind of like, right? Um, you know, c- compared to later on when. Oh, lad, like the the mother superior catches like her favourite student having a having a fiddle, uh, double clicking the mouse if you know what I mean, Mark. Um, while she's lying on her bed and she's outraged by it, so what does she go? She goes back to her room and does the same. Bound she go wow wow. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's like porno movie logic for sure. <laughs> it totally is because nothing nothing gets you hornier than seeing someone else masturbate. Uh, you know, it's just. It, it, it's so ludicrous, and it's like, and with you, I think Franco is playing with some subject matter here. Specific, I mean, this is like what we're talking once again. This is Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition was the most brutal out of all of them. I mean, you like, I know America. You had your sale much trials, and all you think, but the Spanish Inquisition, hundred times fucking worse. Like most yeah. of the torture devices that we know about today. Like you know, when I got that, fuck, going to Australia, ten of the world's deadliest fucking land animals and insects are all on that small island. Fuck, going there, like ten of the worst torture devices ever invented, Spanish Inquisition, right? And fuck around with that. So I love the idea of a, you know, kind of taking a a, a kind of line back to that and following that kind of through to an extent. And yeah, there's a bit of that in there, specifically its treatment of women. Um, also on some level like the idea of how the church treats women as well I think all those commentaries are worthwhile and interesting and we get the bare minimum I mean this isn't even like scratching off the foil on a scratch card level of kind of narrative pleasure of finding out what we're going to do and you know intrigue and all the rest it kind of hints on a lot of things and then just gets bogged down in a lot of weirdly a lot of dialogue which doesn't further the plot um, and a lot of storytelling that feels counterintuitive and just a whole lot of nudity. There's so much nudity. There must easily be about 30 minutes of nudity in this 
this two-hour movie, which I know what you're thinking, Duncan, that's only a quarter. But yeah, that's like a quarter of a movie about, <laughs> like, possessed nuns. You know what I mean? That's like, you know what I mean? You find me another movie which isn't a porn movie or a softcore movie, which is one quarter, like, people just naked getting diddled. You, if you find that and you bring that to me, I will watch that movie because I'm a pervert, but at the same time, I will acknowledge that you filmed that movie. And you just don't get that. And Franco is... I, I always, I said to you before, I have a weird soft spot for the guy, um, which is interesting because he makes me so hard. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's like, bad man. <laughs> uh, I have a weird soft spot for him as a director because he's clearly... He's a jobber guy, you know what I mean? If there's money there, he'll make the movie. He'll make, we spoke about it before, he would often take money and then find the best way to make three movies off that money by cutting corners. Yep. And then I see him here with a budget that he's clearly used and he's picked good actors and actresses to be in, these, in, in the movie and they act well. And ultimately, the reason this isn't an incredible movie or even to an extent a great movie is Jess Franco himself. It's the inability to tell the narrative in a concise sort of way. It's being bogged down with details which don't amount to anything. And it's his obsession with the female form. And I'm kind of with him. I love the female form. But uh, maybe when you're making a movie which isn't porn, you use it a bit better. Um, And he doesn't do that here. And it, it gets... I'd be interested to go back and see that 75 minute cut now but then I also think if they've just taken all the nudity out then what's the point uh, I don't know if I want to watch the three quarters of this movie that doesn't have any nudity yeah. in it it really you know straddles I mean? the line between being like an actual narrative movie and being a porn movie yeah I think the the American trailer for this is really telling too because there's lots of stuff like it, it it's playing very much on that like foreign film titillation like this is the kind of movie <laughs> like you're gonna take your date to if you want to you know get a little freaky afterwards kind of mm-hmm. thing, but you you don't want it to only play in porn theaters when it comes to the states you want it to play yeah. in like legit theaters as like a foreign film so I mean the trailer kind of warns you going in that it's gonna be a dirty filthy movie and. There's some some kinky shit going on in this, but it, it's it. I think it is genuinely making an attempt to straddle that line between, you know, a legit movie and a porn movie kind of, and that's uh, clearly not an easy thing to do, and like still make it like somewhat entertaining if you're not watching this for the purposes of trying to get freaky with your girlfriend or whatever, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely had to watch this when the girlfriend wasn't home, because I'm sure she would have, like, looked over and be like, you're not allowed to hang out with that Duncan guy anymore. <laughs> the kind of <laughs> fucking shit that you're watching for his show. Why is this nun outfit arrived, Mark? Who's wearing this? <laughs> yeah, it was Duncan's idea, it was Duncan's idea. Maybe well, don't worry, it's the French version of Sister Act, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's the French version. Oh my god, if this was the French version of Sister Act. See if there was a whole, I will follow him in the middle. <laughs> What's the shit out of that? It has to be a cross between Sister Act, French erotica, and Robbie Coltrane and Nuns on the Run, and I am fucking hardcore in, hardcore in. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's a really weird one. I mean, we we have at least, to my knowledge, one more Franco movie on the list, nice. and that is Cannibal. So and no, Cannibal is not, it. partic- it's not, <laughs> it's not a partic- it's not it's not a particularly well made movie either. So uh, we're going to get to it, um, and I'm sure it's on the list purely because it has the word Cannibal in it, and that was like the censors had a fucking dozen rod to find any movie that had anything remotely to do with Cannibal uh, or cannibalism. So he's got that. There might be another one in there. Uh, I dare say we'll find it as we work along. And um, when it comes to this one, 
mean, there's there's marginal torture here. There's a, a bit of gnarliness at the beginning, and there's a bit of gnarliness throughout, but it's nothing like it's no mark of the devil. Uh, I was going to say that exact same thing. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not on that level. There's a lot of nudity here, but. To me, nudity shouldn't be censored in cinema. Anyway, had this been released in the UK, it would have been given that. It would have been given a, you know, what what would have been the equivalent of a, you know, an X rating over here because of the nudity. So, I right. mean, it wouldn't have, you know. I, so I'm looking at it from that way. So, with all those provisos in place, is this something that I think is egregious? And I'm going to come down with once again. This is a case dismissed for me because I don't think there's enough violence in it, or the violence is portrayed in such a way which necessarily even moves up a level and yeah like I say it does have a lot of nudity which censors may have raised an eyebrow too but we had classifications in the UK at that time for movies that were quote unquote blue you know that had that kind of blue content in them so you know this one could have easily been passed through it's just once again a, a great example of like people who clearly have never seen a vagina before um, getting upset that other people are um, or a penis I'm not like like whatever your preference is. Just like you know, getting down and getting a bit freaky. They're not getting that, um, and they've been told that they get to curate what movies people get to see, and as a result, they don't want anyone being happy. Um, and the demons isn't a movie. That's the thing. It finished. And I didn't feel happy about it. No. The finish. I was just like, <laughs> I just felt tired. Like, and <laughs> yes. And I, I'll be honest, I had to ice my dick. You know what I mean? I had to actually put it in a bowl of ice. Like. So like, we can't do this again. This can't happen again. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm case dismissing it, and that shocked me because, like, I remember I have seen a cut of this before a while ago, and I think I was getting. I think because it has elements of Mark of the Devil in it, I think I've been bringing them over into my memories of this movie. Because what rolling through it this time, I rolled through it tired, but without any kind of like yikes. You know what I mean? There just isn't a lot of that in here, and if lesbian and demon sex is a crime, then I don't want to live in a world where that's, <laughs> that's the case. Uh, what about yourself, Mark? Um, fresh eyes watching this, kind of. Um, uh, am I wrong? Uh, am I being too light? Uh, I, honestly, I was thinking about it. I, if, you, if, if you figured out a way to cut out like all the nudity and fucking in this movie, and it was like that 75-minute kind of cut... Um, this is definitely no mark of the devil. Like I think yeah. that movie kind of ruined the violence in this movie for me because it <laughs> mark of the devil fucking goes there and it's like mm-hmm. that movie like rattled my cage pretty good. Uh, it's all pretty fucking tame in this one. It's not really like none of the violence like really like I, I kind of thought that was kind of one of its downfalls. Is like that's the, all that stuff is kind of weak in this. Maybe just compared to Mark of the Devil, which we talked about earlier this year on the show. But, uh, yeah, without the nudity, this is a pretty easy, like, case-dismissed slap on the wrist. Like, really, the only offensive stuff besides that I can think of is if you're a real uptight person and the idea of there being, like, you know, horny nuns and shit or, like, really deeply offends you on a religious level, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not one of those people, so it doesn't really bother me. In fact, it kind of turns me on a little bit, so... Uh, I, I think I'm going to go with like a, a real light slap on the wrist. And yeah. 
even that I think is a bit much because even in the trailer it kind of warns you that yeah this is this is uh, the movie like the naughtiest movie to ever come out of France and there's gonna be lots of lots of boobery and lots of giant pubic hair all over the fucking screen <laughs> some so, some boobery some naughty nuns uh, it's not a clothing brand no that's bl- that's blueberry that's burberry burberry <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is a this is a goofy fucking movie. Honestly, like this this really like wasn't that offensive, and especially by today's standards, man. But you can't you can't shock somebody that has the fucking internet. So oh I mean, god, no, you can't. Like honestly, that, I told you, like I was filling, I was literally filling in orifices uh, with other things while I was watching this movie, and that's when you that's when you realize you've watched too much internet. It's not. You know, at that point where you're just like, yeah, this is, I can't, I can't sit back and, you know, bask in the glory of the fine female form anymore without, like, seeing, like, a dick just appear out of nowhere and just, like, <laughs> So can you imagine watching this in a theatre at, like, a horror film festival or something, having to sit next to it? That's, like, the one thing that kind of, I kind of remembered, like was my, my my festival screening of We Are the Flesh when there's <laughs> shots of like and this movie is like that's kind of a bad comparison really the only thing that like made me well, think it's like, it's like, it's like, well there's 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 a, there's ejaculate in that movie so yeah I think that's a good comparison there are a few similarities and yeah one of them is there's entire shots where it's just like somebody's naked fucking pubic region just yep. spread across the fucking oh, yeah. widescreen and yeah, it made, it made me think of that incredibly uncomfortable viewing yeah, experience I'm, where I'm, I'm sitting next to people and I'm just like, oh man, I should be watching this at home, probably. Yeah, like, without giving away too much detail out there, I have very little control over my body, Mark, and have always had very little control over If the wind changes, like, my dick goes up, right? So, that's <laughs> so like, I can't, like, I've n- sadly never, well, I'm going to say thankfully, never come across that in any of the horror festivals I've attended over here, where there's, like, well, we're going to get into some, like, nudity and sex and all the rest, because things would get awkward really... I'd have to do the old kind of... I'd have to bring a pillow with me and the old uh, pillow, like, like take off the hoodie, put the hoodie in the lap. You know what I mean? Um, sort of thing. Because there's, I, but I do imagine you're right. I imagine that if, if it played in, I mean, Europeans tend to have a more mature response to to sex and all the rest right. than the the more puritanical countries. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine plenty of people going to see this in weird cinemas and, and you know, sitting up the back and uh, having a chug. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> For lack of a better word. Cause it, cut it, cut d- the hole out of the bottom of the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, like, digging deep, Mark. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there is a lot. There's, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange... It's only when you realise... What, what, what I love about, like, the conversations that we have now about cinema... Um, are conversations that have been going on for, for decades. It's always the same thing. Are, are the movies too violent? Is there too much sex in these mo- and all the rest? And you see movies like this and you're like, well, there's maybe not a huge amount of sex, but like when you have easily a quarter of this movie just has women naked walking around, then there's, on some level, there's a bit of a tee-hee-hee approach to it, but then there's also just a acknowledgement that the audience is comfortable watching that. Um, and if you're uncomfortable watching it, you shouldn't be watching this movie. Exactly. I can, yeah, I kind of I feel that. It's like we watched it's a French um, movie called Stranger by the Lake. It's a fucking incredible movie. Um, but it's a, 
it's set at a gay nudist beach um, and the, the killer is one of the guys that's at the beach and so there's a lot of like there's just a lot of dick in that movie just like camera just like there's a whole lot of dick and there's also like a male cum shot in that movie like an actual physical male cum shot in that movie which is very bold for any movie um, but when you're watching that like I remember the first time I watched it was recording with Bo for Duncan and Bo Come Correct way back in like 2014 and the movie had been out a couple of years by then and um, we were watching it and I think one of the first things one of the first things I said in that review is that I felt that I needed to put that disclaimer out there that if you're uncomfortable with like men being with men or you know like the male form in general then you shouldn't watch this movie you know it's, it's not a movie for you but also you're a fucking adult grow up and accept that a movie isn't just a great movie just because it has naked women in it. Naked. I'm I'm a firm proponent of if you're gonna ha- if there's gonna be nudity in your movie, get some cock in there. And that's that's that is literally the way I approach cinema. It's like everything. It totally is, and I don't I don't understand why even in 2020 that is still an awkward conversation to have. I don't, I don't get it. For all like you say, you can go online and within three clicks of a mouse button, you can be watching some of the nastiest perverse shit you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah, when you go to the cinema to see a fucking R-rated movie or whatever, oh God forbid, there's a dick on screen. It's just it's nonsense, and this is how far we've not come as a, a let's see this is why I love Jess Franco he forces us to have these conversations Mark he forces yeah, right. us to have these conversations but, but who would have thought all these all these years later the the, the one other thing that I, I was reminded of through this conversation was a couple of years ago at Fantastic Fest they did a secret screening and usually those sell out super fast because they show like high profile like new shit like I saw The Lighthouse a lot last year for the secret screening a couple of years nice. ago they did a restoration of an, a lost Ed Wood movie, and I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but it's totally a softcore porn movie. And even at Fantastic Fest, which I think is a pretty like they show some fucking wild shit at this festival, and usually they're, the the audience kind of goes with it. There was a lot of complaints about that one because they people <laughs> felt like they got tricked into watching a porn movie, and. Yeah, I remember reading lots of comments of people being like, the guy next to me was like shifting uncomfortably in his seat and it made me really uncomfortable. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, this was like 2018 or something. And this movie is like probably 40 or 50 fucking years old at yeah. this point, And people are still like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to have my money back for my ticket because the man sitting beside me got a boner. Uh-huh. Um, can I have a boner refund, please? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, uh, and I think that's the thing. Even the fact you get that out of like film festivals, which are a unique subset of film goers. Yeah, that go are that and typically it... liberal as fuck. Yeah, have seen some crazy shit in movies. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's fun to look back on, and like I say, this movie is almost what well, this movie will be fifty years old um, in two years' time. Uh, which is fucking nuts, right? It's half a century old, almost, and yeah, the fact we can still have those comfort. I think it's yeah. I, I I don't think it's. I think there's a lot of the qualities in this movie that I think, in a lot of respects, 
change should change the opinion of someone who has heard stories of Jess Franklin here. Not the nudity stuff, but specifically the ability to craft a good movie. Because he does that, he just gets bogged down in stuff that's just not interesting. Right. Um, to to get to and, it, and your reward for that is nudity. <laughs> that's literally lots of nudity. <laughs> lots. Uh, right. Let's take our final break. Uh, you're going to hear promos for shows that will love when we return we're going to be announcing what our last two movies of this year are in our December episode coming right up right after this this is a test of the emergency podcasting system listen to the psychosemantic podcast politics movies and political movies find us on Facebook iTunes Stitcher legionpodcasts.com the psychosemantic podcast and welcome back ladies and gents so 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 um you've been listening to a little bit of doing the nasty this has been episode number 11 of season 2 we're almost one year down in our three and a bit years of this show mark <laughs> well our first year like outside of the show has felt like about 50 fucking years long so oh. I, I, it, it feels I feel like we've been doing this show for a really really long time yeah. yep yep and, and, oh, this, this is the year that almost feels like it could never end it's the year um, of the damned <laughs> It does feel like like January the first should have started with Crazy Ralph telling us that the, this year has a death curse. Oh Christ Almighty! It sure fucking has. <laughs> um, we have two movies left for this year. Uh, episode number twelve is a fucking doozy, man. This is like, going out on know, a high note. Yep, the random the random selection thing has paired up some really bad suggestions, but also affords us. A little bit of gold, um, a distinct lack of nudity in this upcoming film, but you just have to deal with it. Although there are some of my favourite deaths in cinema amongst these two movies. Um, the movies we'll be covering in a couple of weeks' time are one, uh, The Prowler, aka Rosemary's Killer, which is how it was known upon its release in the UK um, and how it's known on the list but it's actually The Prowler from 1981 directed by the late great Joseph Zito um, synopsis for this one if you've never seen it you're in for a treat uh, an unknown killer clad in World War II US Army fatigues stalks a small New Jersey town hellbent on reliving a 35 year old double murder by focusing on a group of college kids holding an annual graduation dance. Now, I'm just going to put a disclaimer out here. Ain't no 20 minutes of disco dancing in this bitch, right? So you don't have to worry about that. And I dare say we will probably spend a good 10 minutes talking about the scene this movie's probably most known for, I would say, which is the righteous uh, pitchfork death in the shower, which is legit fucking amazing. Um, we are doubling up though with a little bit of Argento, which makes me very, very, very happy. Uh, what, which doesn't make me happy when saying this is sadly two days ago from the day of this recording, uh, news was released that one of the stars of this movie, one of the main stars, Daria Nicolodi, sadly passed away. Yeah, um, I saw that. that was a I know. But we do get to uh, spend a bit of time going through one of her more playful performances. I love her in this movie, depending on which cut you watch. Because um, one of the cuts, she is uh, she gets a lot less dialogue. I think that's the American cut. And uh. the Italian cut, she is funny, quirky, um, very practical joke, very strong 
uh, female character that I kind of love as well. But we're going to be doing Deep Red, a.k.a. Profondo Rosso from 1975. This is Argento's first, as I would call it, horror jalo. I think this is where he makes the transition. It's also the first movie he did with Goblin, so we're going to have a geeky chat, no doubt, because it's me, Mark, and Goblin. You know what I mean? Yep. We're going to have a geeky chat about soundtracks. There ain't no way we're getting around it. Um, but yeah, uh, the synopsis for this one is a jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist are pulled into a complex web of mystery after, witness, uh, after the former witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. Um, I've seen both. You've seen both, yeah, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're closing out on movies we are like fairly, fairly familiar with. And it's a good one to go out on because if you've never seen either one of these movies, I can tell you in advance of revisiting them, they're both recommends from me. So I think you will have fun checking them out uh, along with us. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Now, Marble, before we disappear uh, and return, it's probably worth saying the next episode of this show will drop just before Christmas um, because Podcast Under the Stairs and its subsidiary, the old Teapots Collective, which we are on, uh, closes its doors for two weeks over over Christmas, so closes its doors officially on Christmas Eve, which is when I think I'm going to drop this episode, uh, on Christmas Eve, and then we'll reopen, uh, usually it's the beginning of the second week in January. So we'll be away for a couple of weeks anyway. It shouldn't affect anything from our standpoint, except the episode will drop a week earlier than you would usually get it. Uh, and just in time for you wrapping presents, you can listen to us talk about gnarly goblin scenes and weird <laughs> creepy dolls that appear from the side for no reason at all. And one of the greatest, I don't know what this brings to the movie, oh nothing, it still creeped the fuck out of me. So well done, Dario Argento. Uh, so many things to talk about with Deep Red, man. Um, so yeah, that'll be coming out then. Uh, Mark, you do a lot of cool things online. Uh, let the people know where they can be checking out the cool shit that you do. Uh, well, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this in a couple episodes, but uh, you probably want to be following me on YouTube, especially if there's a lot of these movies on these lists you haven't seen. I've been trying to get like uh, okay-ish copies, or mm-hmm. like preferably ones that are in fucking English onto the... <laughs> playlist over on youtube if you just follow me over there it's fancy mark uh, and just like look under my thing this is playlist there should be one called video nasties tier three um mm-hmm. i gotta get the prom night one swapped out of there because the one that i watched yesterday is also on youtube and it was like a blu-ray quality rip of it that looked fucking gorgeous um it's, obviously that's one you can find on like dvd and blu-ray pretty easily but some, some of the some of these weirder harder to find ones you might your best bet's gonna probably be youtube so i've been trying to put them up over there so be sure and follow me there um yeah if you're in the uk prom nights available on uh, 101 films uh and the usa i can't remember who put it out but it's available on shudder in the usa okay yeah i, I so think you can I'm, stream it there the the prowler was on shutter there for a little bit here in the states i, I forget nice it's there. there there is also a really good copy of that on youtube that is in the playlist um i'll mm-hmm. have to see if i can track down deep red i i know that uh, sometimes if you just search by like the 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 country of origin like what its title was there you might have a little bit better luck finding these yeah 
I think I'm gonna try. I don't actually own a good Blu-ray of Deep Red, so I think I might try and figure out who has the best one, because I know there's a few of those, but see who's got the best uh, region A. I'm sure it's probably like Severin or somebody. Yeah, I think you can get, like, Arrow put out a 4K, so there must be a 4K in the States now, so, like, the but even the 2K restoration is pretty immaculate. Nowadays, that's a movie that cleans up really... All Argento movies clean up really well when you go to high definition, so... Right. Yeah, it's a good a good one to get your hands on, especially if you get that, the options of the other cuts. Because um, nothing... Like, I know I'm in the minority with this on so many things, but I tend to prefer the longer Italian cuts of Giallo's because uh, I think there's a bit more nuance and a bit more going on story-wise with characters. The American cuts of a lot of Jallos chop a lot of that out in favour of what I would class as more slasher edits um, and that they focus much more on the brutality and the killing and take out a lot of the quirks uh, which is fine, I mean that plays better to an American audience for sure but um, I think it sometimes lessens the, the elements that make a good Jallo movie a Jallo um, right. and we'll get into that whole conversation, Deep Red might be, I mean as pure Jallos go, Deep Red might be the best Jallo ever made so um, so yeah, that's that's how that that's how far we're going in on this one. Uh, right. Expect a lot of Mark talking about how amazing Goblin is, and expect me being pedantic as fuck about Jallos. Um, I know what you're thinking. That sounds like a fun podcast, and you are right. <laughs> a fucking good time, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, so check out your YouTube thing. What about the the old uh, fancy art? I still see things getting posted. You're still taking photos. Yeah, uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's it's been a little bit slow lately, just because Instagram's been like changing some things that I'm not super wild about. Like hashtags mm. are kind of fucking broken on their their app now. But uh, yeah, follow me over there. That's fancy underscore Mark. I, I've been a little bit more active on Twitter, which is at the fancy Mark. So if you want to like ask us stuff about the show or you know talk to me about some video nasties or some toys or fucking nerd shit whatever whatever floats your boat that we might share in common you can talk to me over there uh there's a facebook group for doing the nasty not, <laughs> there is not, yeah i'm terrible on it <laughs> yeah not super active over there but uh if if facebook is kind of more your thing than, than the other stuff uh, go go post over there tell us what you think about the, some of these movies uh, talk about movies that are coming up on the list that you're looking forward mm-hmm. to because you, you can look up these these lists and kind of you might not be able to tell what order that we're gonna do them in because I think we kind of want to keep that a little bit more secret. But you can look yeah, I, I tend to left. only like yeah, I tend to only like announcing them the you know on the episode for the next episode because I like I don't even tell you. I think I may have shared the list with you once, but I think it was right at the start. And uh, the the less you know about what's coming up, the the better it is because as you find out, like sometimes we are gonna stumble into movies that are just terrible, and then other times. Mafia Massacre is going to come along, and that movie is just going to like it's just going to make us so fucking happy. So I think that's the beauty of that list is that it's it's just so unpredictable, and you can end up with an episode where there's a lot of nude nuns and a really boring inept killer on one episode of the show, and then you can jump into us talking about. Um, the Prowler in Deep Red, which will be the next one. Uh, so yeah, please do that. If you, I will be more active on the Facebook group page if more people are active on the Facebook group page. That's been up since the show got set up in, what, 2015? Um, I think I set that Facebook page up and we were active for a little while and then, this obviously, we finished season one. There was a bit of a hiatus. Uh, we've come back. 
And uh, I, I just like the conversations never, never big on there. But I think we could do that. That'd be nice for next year to start getting some conversation generating because there are a ton of really, really, really popular, really well-known films that'll be getting covered next year that just so happen to be on that tier three list. So right, we'll get to them. Ooh. Right, ladies and gents, that is that is all for this episode. We will be back, like I say, probably Christmas Eve is when I see it dropping, uh, for our last episode of the year, episode number 12, looking at Deep Red and The Prowler. But until then, please, please, please take care of yourselves out there, and we will speak to you next time on Doing the Nasty. Ah. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.